back to the Hoops Temple podcast. Y'all know me, Nathan Schwartz. I'm here to say that we completely forgot to record an intro. We're also two days delayed putting this out. This was recorded Sunday before the Lakers game, but after the Clippers game. So your Cali boys here were in a pretty depressive state. I've since watched the Lakers game. I'm feeling a little bit better about my season. Feels weird that I'm putting a lot of hope in Matt Ryan to continue to hit threes, but we looked half decent. Moving Westbrook to the bench was a really solid move. It allowed him and LeBron to get going separately and then close together in the fourth in a pretty effective lineup. But I just wanted to say all of this because you're going to hear us be rather down on the Lakers, Kings, and Clippers, all of whom have gotten a win since we recorded this episode. Still hope you enjoy it. A lot of good content in this episode. six worst teams on the rating. That's true, but which one's the worst, though? Very important. Uh, it's actually really close between Lakers and Clippers. Wow. Let me find it. Yeah, but you guys have out. You guys have your best player resting after a year and a half of resting. He'll come All right, w- worst teams. Detroit, negative 13.7, which is an expected 82 wins of 13. Damn. We've got Houston at negative 10, Lakers negative 9, Clippers negative 8.7. And the Kings at negative five. Not bad. Not bad at all. <laughs> where where are our heads at? Where are the expectations at for our teams? I, I don't even know what to say. Aaron, <laughs> you, you texted me and asked me, like, hey, what's the uh, like, who's your third favorite Laker from this season? And I was just like, I hate all of them. <laughs> like, not, not even favorite, but like, who do I think is the third best? And then you're like, what about David Jones? And I was like, oh, yeah, I like Jones. Okay, he's he's fine. But the rest of these guys all, like, get the fuck out of here. He's athletic. I was at the Kings game against Miami. I went. I had great seats. It was good. I, I wish we had won some games before that. So, the, like, the positive things I had to say kind of hold a little more weight. But I thought it looked really good. Our bench is still horrible. Um, Malik Monk looks lost. Davion Mitchell doesn't look like an NBA player. Rashawn Holmes is hit or miss. But the Fox Herder, Murray Barnes, Sabonis Fox thing is really fun. Like, they're pretty good. Um, Herder is just an unbelievable shooter. He's, he's like, taller, wider, but he healed and better. It's exactly what we needed. Um, and, and the leap that Fox has taken just in the pretty small sample size has been awesome. I think the most important thing to me, and Nate pointed this out when we you're texting a little bit, was the d- defensive um, the defensive ability, because he picked up Hero, because Hero was just cooking harder for a while, and Fox was able to get a bunch of crucial stops on him in the fourth, and he was, in previous seasons, Fox has been a good scorer, pretty good playmaker, and then a bad shooter and, and below average defender, and you really can't build around that, but you could overcome the shooting deficiencies if you could at least play some good defense. Yeah, I'm also very excited to see Keegan Murray um, promoted to the starting lineup. I'll, I'll give you a stat. Um, Fox, Herder, Barnes, Murray, DeMontis, Sabonis in 73 positions, still, so a relatively small sample size, but plus 36.8 per 100 positions. Like when those five guys are out there, they are destroying people. It looks great. And then as soon as we sub the sub next guy, it's really <laughs> bad. But when they're out there, it's really good. Um, Murray has this like Kawhi approach, like the kind of just, he never seems tired and he's just super robotic. Um, he just loads up bucket.exe and just runs it and then goes and, goes and scores. 
it's been fun. He's you know he's not like the def- the, the superior defensive player I was I guess anticipating, um, but it's he's obviously a still, he's a rookie. Yeah. Um, and what is he? He's averaging like eighteen points on um, on what on where is it sixty eight percent true shooting. So it's pretty good. It's pretty good. The offensive flow has been there. He has some dumb he had some dumb mistakes in the game, but again, rookie stuff. You know what we should do for next week? Go ahead, Nate. We should just only watch rookies, just like dedicate this next week to watching the rookies and do like a full rookie breakdown. Yeah. Nikola Jovic is so fucking tall. I did not <laughs> recognize him. I thought he was just some random guy. I and he ended up checking in because Bam got in foul trouble. And then Haslam ended up playing, which was insanity to watch Haslam play. He played it quite a bit. <laughs> Yeah. He's pretty honestly like for a forty-two-year-old, he's pretty good. Like, he's not like it was. It, I thought I thought it was just over. We actually, I mean, technically, he did have a plus-minus of like negative thirty, but it didn't look that. It didn't look like it was his fault necessarily. Um, but they ended up subbing in Jovic, and I was like, whoa! Like that's Nikola Jovic. He's playing center, and he's like seven feet tall. I thought he. I. I, I guess I hadn't studied his draft profile uh, super intensely. I thought he. I just in my head, I was like, yeah, he's like six seven, six eight. He's not. He's like. A generous 610 or a conservative 610 I, I think when you get to the point where haslam is playing a lot it's not his fault that they're bad like <laughs> like things have to have gone that wrong that haslam's in the game so whatever you get from yeah, him you, is good you got to get through quite a few players before you sub the assistant coach in <laughs> well to be fair they're uh deadman and is it yurtsevin yeah yurtsevin yeah were uh he they were both hurt inactive so i think they were they're already pretty thin all things considered i mean let me bring up the haslam the haslam stats go ahead it's only eight minutes it's not that much he was it felt like for it felt like forever what's his like what was his season high last year oh god you're not gonna you guys really gonna have me pull up haslam stats <laughs> he, it felt like forever he really played for eight minutes yeah. i guess he basically played the whole second quarter essentially jovic only played one single minute he, yeah they put him in at the i think it was like Haslam haslam played basically the whole second um and then jovic played at the end because bam was in foul trouble pretty quickly all right um, do you guys want to guess how many minutes was haslam's high last year was it more than eight man I'm going to say he logged like a 10-minute game. Let's see how many games did he play in. He played in 13 regular season games. He scored 171 points since 2016. It's pretty It's pretty impressive. How many points per year is that? What's the, what's the points per year stat? In game number 13 for Haslam, which was played April 10th, he played 20 minutes, scored two points, had four fouls, and six rebounds. So there's your Haslam numbers. But just to, to recenter on... What is the patheticness of the Pacific Division? The Kings now have one more win than the Lakers. Yeah, go ahead. I'm going to give you, let's give Nate the floor for 10 minutes. <laughs> go ahead. Just say, just say whatever you need to say. So I've been thinking a lot about Allen Iverson lately. Okay. And how Allen Iverson was this masterful offensive player that Philadelphia built the perfect defensive lineup around him, and he had to carry their offense 100%. But the rest of the team locked down everyone with their defense so much that it was functional. And it, like you could build that team a thousand different ways and not be as successful. Like you got Iverson more help up on the offense. That's not. It's less defensively good. Like that team is a shot in the dark. I don't know how you construct a team about LeBron at this point because I was like thinking in my head, like, all right, Pat Bev can't do anything. He's like defense. But then he's trying to create on offense because you need someone else to create for LeBron at this point. LeBron's too tired to create. Um, 
So I was like, what if what if we flipped Pat Bev for Patty Mills? Like Patty Mills looks so out of place in Brooklyn. They could use a defensive guard next to Kyrie. You know, someone else out there other than Ben Simmons and Bench Ben Simmons for Patty for Pat Beverly. Yeah, yeah, like that that seemed to make sense. But I'm like, all right, so then we have someone who can ball handle. And now LeBron has to do more on the defensive end. I don't know what LeBron doing more on the defensive. I I legitimately don't know where you even start with constructing this team, except for to undo every move they've made. Uh, I forget who just had had Danny Green on their podcast, but Danny Green's like, yeah, you know, I got traded by the Lakers. And I was like, yeah, we traded him and the pick that would be Jaden McDaniels, who had a great game with Minnesota against the Lakers. You know, he was really locking up LeBron. Like, man, those two guys would be really nice to have back if we could flip back and not have traded for Russell Westbrook and still have Kuzma, Harrell, and KCP. That'd be awesome. Also, if we could have kept Alex Caruso as opposed to saying, we can find another white guy that can come off the scrap heap and be good. I'm out on Reeves. I'm so far out on Reeves because he tries to make passes flashy. Like he had one play (laughs) where he hustled. He got this rebound and he does this fake no look as a po- and then like passes to the guy in the corner, but the defense was like, "There's a wide open guy in the corner, and he's obviously passing because he's got his back to the basket. And he's running out from under the basket, and they just ran straight to the corner guy. <laughs> he like done this fake and then then threw him. Like if you just passed, you would have beaten the defender there, and he would have had an open shot. But no, you're you're making the game more complicated because you want to look cool because you want to be the bald eagle, and you're not the freaking bald eagle." I think the most worrying thing for the Lakers is that LeBron and AD have been like pretty good. Like, LeBron's that look, the shooting numbers are down, the screen numbers are down. Davis has looked pretty good. He he does walk like my grandma. Like he has these these hips that just like he walks like he's he's about to retire. But he's only he's not even thirty yet. Um, my poor grandma's gonna hear that. I just realized that. Sorry, grandma. <laughs> that's, an, that's an insult to grandma to say that <laughs> she walks like Anthony Davis. My grandma's aware of her of her of her age. She'll be okay. But Anthony Davis wait, wait, is a wait. professional basketball You said player. he's not even thirty yet. I'm thirty. Yeah, I'm sorry <laughs> to worry about what you're gonna say about me. You see me walk around. <laughs> But Davis looks horrible, just walk, walking around like that. But the numbers are still pretty good. He's like, it, the steal and block numbers are kind of ridiculous if it's like two and a half on both ends. But to have both the stars be like, okay, at least like pretty decent and still be 0-5 is, is worrying. Yeah. The one good thing that I can I can think of for the Lakers is that we have been without Thomas Bryant, who is supposed to be our starting center. And we've been without Dennis Schroeder, who I think takes over the starting point guard role. And I don't know how much longer they're going to be. Jeez, Dennis Schroeder. They, they, this the Celtics were like begging to get rid of him by the deadline, weren't they? They got Houston to take him for nothing. Yeah, they brought back Daniel Tice for him, but basically nothing. It it's not a great thought, but like the Lakers just need competent players. Because I gotta tell you, if I have to keep watching Troy Brown Jr. out there, it, it's not a good sign. Winion Gabriel, there was times where I think Winion Gabriel doesn't know how to dribble the basketball, and then there are moments where I think he's the best Laker. And the fact that those moments are like back to back and in sequence with each other just makes me so worried. Like, and we know they start off with a tough schedule, like Warriors, Clippers, Blazers, Nuggets, Timberwolves. Probably should have beat the Blazers, but I mean that was a buzzer beater that everyone got to listen to me watch. It's it's a forgivable zero and five. They're going to have easier games. They're going to have easier stretches. But man, it's it's not looking good to start. Yeah, if I'm to offer up one more piece of hope for the Lakers, 
if they can figure out just how to score any points, like their their offensive rating is worse in the league, 96.4. And like we said last week, they don't have any lasers, but they still sh- should they should still shoot out of the 20s. Like you, they should be in the 30s, which will help a little bit. Cleaning the glass, their cleaning the glass defensive rating is third in the league. So they are actually performing really well on defense. You look at all four factors in there pretty much good across the board which you know sometimes that's one way that you can look at it and try to find something that's outlier um as if they're being bolstered by just one of the four factors but they do everything well and they're a top three defense and so if you can just get to like get to mediocre offense not worse than league then you're like kind of decent um like let's say 20th 20th is 112 points per 100 positions which would make them plus seven which is the net rating of New Orleans, who are four and two. It's like if you get to twentieth on offense, then you're pretty good. I totally agree with the fact that the Lakers are shooting like it's just historically bad. Like this isn't going to continue. They're not going to at this pace. This team wins like five games, shooting like they're shooting like they're shooting. And that's that's not going to happen. Um, they'll be able to turn it around offensively a little bit just by the grace of some three point shots falling. They're not going to be the worst team in the league. Do you know? what the Lakers are shooting for a three? If you don't, don't look it up. I think it's 26%. Okay. If you had to guess, if the Lakers' three-point percentage was a human, could they buy a beer? Could they rent a car? I think they could buy a beer, but they can't rent a car yet. <laughs> the age at which you can rent a car is 25. They are at 23%. Jeez. Yeah. I love it. All right. Dylan, talk to me about the misery in Clipperland. Where, where are you guys at? <laughs> Your star has not been back after being gone for a really long time. Yeah, I think he's played what, like, the Kawhi we're talking about. He's played, like, two games, and Paul yeah. George has also been really bad. He was bad again today um, as we lost another early game to New Orleans. Um, the big thing for—I mean, it's not just Paul George. Like, yeah, Kawhi's not playing. Paul George has been bad. Reggie Jackson has been really bad as well, which is concerning. You know, a lot was we've we've had a lot on Reggie Jackson, um, and he's been bad this year. He was bad last year, and quietly, like he was bad the year before. He just became really good in the playoffs, and so our starting point guard is awful. John Wall has been good. He's we're ten points better per one hundred positions when John Wall's in the game over over Reggie. Um, so maybe that's kind of a fix. But then you get into some spacing issues. And again, it's the offense that's the issue. And the team just looks disjointed. Like, we do have some guys that can make threes, even though they're not making them at the moment. But field goal percentage from, like, every zone is bad. And we turn the ball over constantly. And also don't get to the line. And so it's just a bad all-round. But like the there being some hope for the Lakers, um, the defense has been pretty good. And so once we figure out the offense... I think maybe you can get to being a decent team by the fact that the defense has not been awful. What's your guys' team on a panic rating right now? One to ten. It's so early and like shots aren't falling. And if you just look at the field goal percentage of each player on the team, it's like all of those are gonna come up, besides maybe Reggie Jackson who's below forty percent from the field again. Um and so again, once the offense gets better, it can't be that bad. Like we shouldn't be the second worst offense in the NBA based on the players that are on this team and if we can get some more consistency and just figure out like a like a, a cohesiveness on offense. Stop giving the other team the ball. That'll make a huge difference. 
so low to moderate. <laughs> Given that I predicted them to be the number one seed, um, a little bit of a panic on that. But in terms of just like getting good enough to be a relatively high seed and, and look ready by the playoffs, relatively low on the panic. I'm panicking a little bit just because I have predicted the Kings to be just good enough, like just good enough for like a 10, 9, 8 seed, like 40 wins essentially. And you can't start slow with if you're hoping to, to sneak into the ninth seed essentially. Um, although I, you know, the hope is still there because we did win a game. That lineup, like you said, is so dominant. If we can trade for a bench piece, we have all our picks because no one fucking makes deals with us. We have nothing to offer except for the Pacers. <laughs> Those picks are pretty valuable. They're, you tell me you don't want a Sacramento Kings 2028 first round pick? Unprotected. Give us anybody. That, that's worth LeBron right there. Um, you yeah, start stacking those, be- I'll make that call. Yeah, people, you, we have all of our picks in a few extra seconds. Like we're, we're um, Although Portland, no. Atlanta has ours next year because of the Herder trip the harder deal but i think it's pretty heavily protected if i remember correctly um i've gotten way off topic i'd give my my panic skill like a like like a seven like a seven just because the, we've looked really bad in moments and also every win is super crucial in the west yeah and and also some of the other teams that you're going to be competing with for those lower um playing spots have looked really good like portland like the jazz yeah the jazz new orleans have all looked awesome and theoretically those are the teams that you've got to beat to get Fucking to that jazz, 19 dude. We'll, get, we'll talk about the Jazz in a second. What are you going to say, Nate? Um, I, I was going to ask how many picks would would you give me for LeBron? The all king of, to the Kings. Yeah. Like all of them. Basically, everything. I don't know, five of them? Like, I want to make the playoffs. <laughs> Could we also get Keegan? What's it going to take to get no, Keegan? No. You can, no. Two picks I mean, and Keegan gave... for LeBron? <laughs> That's interesting. Would you give up, like, two first? And... Yeah, I would do that. For LeBron James, he's 38. <laughs> Because you do like Sabonis, Barnes, Murray, and two first for LeBron and AD. Because we said before that like, the Kings are like the ahead. perfect supporting cast like of depth of good players. And then the Lakers are two good players and no other good players. So if you just like combine the two, um, then you're a really good team. My panic meter for the Lakers is incredibly high right now. Because like we kind of knew that we would lose games early on. We, we knew the roster was hard. Um, and, and we know shooting's not going to bounce back. We also know there's going to be a LeBron and a Davis injury at some point. So, like, I think when healthy and rolling, the Lakers can win above 50% of their games. I think maybe 55% with all things going right. But we know there's going to be a two-week absence of LeBron where they'll go two and five. And we know there's going to be a 20 games of AD missing. They already missed He's his already first. Maybe not 20. It. No, he no, he's no, it's twenty. He's already doing it. He he was limping around by game two. As as an Anthony Davis fantasy owner, I, he said he wanted to start all eighty two games, and he was day to day every single game he played. <laughs> he finally missed. He missed the fourth game. He was so close to all eighty two. <laughs> That's why he's day to Davis. Yeah, so good. He's at my top seventy five, and I, I I feel strongly about that. Like he's just sure. one of the most talented players. One of the most dominant players you've ever seen but man sure he's holding he's like holds us back after everything it's just like oh. but what i was gonna go ahead Nate. What, what i was gonna say about utah is i watched them and dylan you had mentioned something about chris vernon's don't play players who suck they just like their eighth man would be most teams fifth starter or sixth man which is just incredible depth like their best player it's still probably team's fourth player like fourth or fifth like Lowry's becoming a guy 
and Lowry's looking real nice, but who? They're one through eight. Oh, Laurie. I, sorry, I, I thought what's a Kyle Lowry. Go ahead. Oh yeah, Lowry marketing, marketing. But they're they're one through eight would all be heavy rotation minutes on pretty much any team, um, and they either need to blow it up fast or or here's my here's my flip caveat. What if they're just like the Nets, the the Brooklyn Nets with D'Angelo Russell and Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert, who are all kind of the same thing, where they were like, yeah, they could be a team's third, fourth, fifth option type guy, and now we're going to go get superstars. And like, what if what if they just flip these picks? What if they pull off the Davis and LeBron just pick massive package and just plop those two guys in there? The Kings went to zero and four, and the Jazz were like four and one, and I was just so fucking depressed. Looking at stats, <laughs> being like, is Jordan Clarkson better than De'Aaron Fox? Like, is Laurie Markin actually better than Sabonis? Like, what's like? Like, did we just build our team around around two guys that aren't as good as like these Jazz players? Um, they look good. I think they're a great spot, and kudos to Danny Ainge for for doing that. But I figured they would whoa, whoa, obviously whoa. be bad. But D- Danny Ainge gets no credit. He was not trying. To do this, <laughs> Danny Ainge was trying to get fucked up. <laughs> so who is it? It looks like it's going to be Orlando and Houston again. Yeah, Detroit wants in. Detroit's. I, I, I'm sorry, you got no. We got no good basketball to watch. It's okay. I can't watch Detroit basketball games because I live true. in the market. It's so they have a three day blackout. <laughs> that's preposterous. That I, I don't know how that's. <laughs> that makes no fucking sense to me. Who's supposed to watch these games? It's. It's. I. I don't know. Just go on but, crack streams or meth streams or whatever illegal streaming site's <laughs> popular right now. <laughs> I think crack streams got banned, so they rebranded as meth streams, but it all works. <laughs> they have Red Zone. <laughs> Red Zone's really expensive. They have that shit for free. <laughs> well, we don't condone meth, but we do condone meth streams here on this podcast. But I, I just I, I was watching a Utah game a little bit before we came on here. Uh, Utah versus Memphis. And it's amazing how they can play the hot hand because they have a lot of guys that, you know, can get hot. Nikhil Alexander-Walker is averaging like eight minutes a night and has only played in four of their seven games. But he got like two steals. I don't I don't know what they're officially recorded as, uh, but he like deflected off a guy's hand and forced a turnover. And he got another steal and he was just a pesky defender. And they were just leaving him out there. They like have this whole whole team of like heat check guys. And then Jared Vanderbilt for defense. And so, like, hey, Malik Beasley hit a couple of big shots. They fed him again. Jordan Clarkson hit a few shots, then went cold, and they're like, all right, we're going to pull Clarkson. Like, there's no loyalty. That's just mercenaries out there gunning. And they're all okay with it. And, like, Kelly Olenek had a drive, and he hit the shot and made an and one. And it was like it was like a high school volleyball team, like, all stepping forward and, like, slapping their hands and yelling ace together. But, like, <laughs> the entire roster just fist pumps at the same time. And I was like, man, you guys don't know each other. You're basically everyone's discarded high lottery picks. That like, man, I hope that guy could be something. But there's a camaraderie between them. They could just they they could gather a OKC esque treasure trove of picks by just selling all these guys. They could just be a a triple A team in baseball terms to all the contenders. Like here's Jordan Clarkson, and here's Market, and give us a first, and give us these first, and they could go either way. Like they're in a fun spot. Yeah, um, and that you made the comparison to between the Jazz and that old Brooklyn team, but maybe the Thunder team that made the playoffs that year a couple of years ago with CP3 is a better analogy, where you've got 
you know, this team that's not supposed to be good, got all the discarded veterans, but just by having a bunch of guys that can play and having a veteran point guard and some, you know, talented young players that you can like throw together a nice eight seed run out of nowhere and then sell those guys off when their value's at its highest. Yeah. It completely crushes their chances for Victor Wimbenyama if they're actually good. Yeah. But I feel like here's what you do. You work back channel discussions where you offer to trade all these picks you've acquired for a couple of really good pieces. And at the same time, you work a trade to trade your own first round pick because everyone's expecting you to tank. And then like just you just trade them all off and you bring in a couple of superstars and you see what this team could be because these pieces have been really nice. That's really confusing for the defense. Like, hey, should you go double marketing? Well, doubling marketing means you're leaving Clarkson, who's actually a better player. Like, who, who knows? It, they're, they're all an equal level of player. There's not like a clear pecking order where, you know, Golden State, hey, we're going to go double Curry and we're going to let Draymond shoot because that's his role to be the open guy. It, it's really fun to watch. What a strange start. I think we had so many just preconceived notions to what all the tanking teams would be and what all the media or all the good was like tanking and good. There's no in between except for literally just Sacramento. They're the only team that wasn't tanking but also wasn't good. But Whoa, whoa, whoa. There's the Wizards. I, Sacramento East. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Sacramento East. Um, Wizards have started fairly good. Yeah, I mean the Knicks, I think the Knicks are a real team. That's a real thing. I think everything I said or everything that we said and everyone said about Brunson kind of opening up their offenses has looked good. It turns out having a point guard is really cool. He passes the ball to people, and they don't have to do it themselves. It's a new kick in the NBA. Point guards. Come get one. Uh, as a Lakers fan, what is, what's that like? What are these point guards that you speak of? You know, the Kings haven't had horrible point guards. Nick Fox is pretty good. He had a Rondo one year. He led the league in assists. So I'm not really sure if he actually was playing good <laughs> basketball. Isaiah Thomas was pretty good. Darren Collison. <clears throat> yeah, but our wings are just always just atrocious. Turns out you, you need those. I, I'm not fully sur- sold on the Knicks resurgence. And they are okay. three and two. So you're either one game above or one game below 500 with five games in. Um, and the teams that they beat are the Pistons, the Magic, and the Hornets. Oh, jeez. With Can losses to the Bucks and the Grizzlies. Okay, well, that's fair. I think it was ridiculous that you guys had Fox so low on the top 100. And it's just, I think maybe the Sabonis <laughs> thing is still like up in the air. Um, that was preposterous. He was way better than Draymond Green. Are you fucking kidding me? That was ridiculous at the time. That is even worse now. 16 versus 82. It's my one defense. <laughs> I. Draymond's like as as much as that like sixteen versus eighty two is a thing. Draymond's also like defensive player of the year caliber regular season player. Like it's not like he's out there doing nothing. Yeah. Also, so like he makes shit happen on the offense and is possibly the best defender in the league. It's not like he's doing nothing. Also, Fox was still top fifty. So not- apologize. Both of you formally with tears. <laughs> I need I want a letter with like tear stains on it. Could could you move him from where we had him at forty eight? to like 35 probably yeah probably but the the league is really good yeah he's 28 points seven boards five and a half assists i kind of wish his assist numbers were higher because right now he's five and a half assists and four turnovers I, this is five games it's stupid that i'm even having this conversation but um <laughs> i'd like to i'd like to see that uh, especially because they're back higher yeah you know wins um <laughs> wins are cool <laughs> he's shooting 40 percent or 39 percent from deep 
got that going for him. There you go. He plays defense and he can shoot. He's the best point guard in the league. Steph Steph Curry meets Tony Allen. Maybe you're right that he is a little bit better than Jordan Poole. Got that. We got him 20 spots above Poole. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, <you> did. <laughs> we, we got there. I will say, just the overall talent of young guards, I've just freaking loved it. Like, I was sitting watching the second 76ers Raptors game with my wife, and I'm like watching this, and I'm like, sweetie, you have to watch this defensive possession. Like, look at how the Raptors move. And then Maxi just drilled a three in their face. And I'm like, all right, bad example. Next time. <laughs> Look at how the Raptors move. They can switch everything. And Maxi just hits another three. And, like, I, I keep saying this. And my wife is like, man, that number zero is really good. And I'm like, fuck. What, like, what is going on? And Maxi just started cooking them. And then they started crowding his shot because he hit his first five threes. And then he just blows past them to the layup. Like, the level of good guards makes me feel like the Jalen Brunson signing was even worse. Because it seems like everyone has a guard that's able to just pop off and have an awesome night. I'm ready to get my feelings hurt about the Deer and Fox All-Star snub. Like, I've already thought about it. I know it's coming. <laughs> He's going to be like 27-7-7. Oh, no. And we're going to win. And we're going to have like, you know, 25 wins at the at the deadline. And he's not going to make it. That's okay. Next year. Well, he's going to lose a spot to Damian Lillard, who's yeah. been fantastic. Steph. Steph. I mean, Dame has an injury issue, you know. Calf, calf is it? It's a has a hamstring or calf? Yeah, either it, one's either make. one's finicky. Yeah, but either one's really finicky. Like he might he might play. He might not play much. All right, all right. All right we keep but, yeah. So Dame, Steph, um, SGA right, right now. SGA, Luca, ja. you count him as a god. Yeah, Luca will ja, be counted as a guard. And it's over. All right, conversation's done. <laughs> None of those guys. All those guys <laughs> are playing better than Fox. Feelings are still hurt. Devin Booker. Booker. LeBron James. I mean, like, just knowing the fan voting, fucking Poole's going to make it over him. <laughs> is this going to be the year? Like, you, you've got to have one undeserving warrior each year. Every year. Is it the Jordan Poole year? <laughs> you guys are talking about good teams? We're talking about bad teams. What are the good teams? <laughs> hey, we're talking right about now, the Jazz. Right now, the current Suns have the, the highest <laughs> SRS of all time, so watch out for them. 14.7. I gotta say, I was trying... That they're literally the best team of all time. I was trying to check out the Suns, and I just picked the wrong game. Because I, I end up watching them play the Pelicans without Zion, without Herb, without Ingram. And I was like, man, they're really good at stopping Jonas Valanciunas and uh, Najee Marshall. Like, good good job, Suns. Really figured that one out. Oh, Aiton's hurt yeah. in the first and only plays like seven minutes. All right, well, not, not the most impressive. Yeah, I haven't managed to catch very much Phoenix this year, so maybe one of you guys can tell me. How, do, how does a team with Chris Paul averaging nine points on 45 true shooting and playing Jock Landale big minutes, like how are they a good team? No Jay Crowder all year? Jock Landale is coming for Rashawn Holmes's like NBA hipsterdom love. He has this. <laughs> he has the nice little push shot. He gets in there. He can you know set some good screens. There, there's also just Bridges is trying to do a little bit more. He's looking a little bit more confident creating his own shot, but it's 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 a lot of consistency. It's a lot of just not making the dumb mistake, making that extra pass that is a turnover or, you know, missing the rotations. Like, it, it, they've had the same crew. Um, campaign has looked good in the moments I've caught him. Campaign's back. Yeah, he'll, he'll have a few good regular season games and then collapse again in the playoffs, but that's... <laughs> That's kind of kind of what we knew coming into this. 
if we were before the season and I told you that Jock Landale is going to average more points than Chris Paul, would you have the Suns as one of the best teams in the league? No. Chris Paul still averages yes. 10 assists per game. <laughs> they have Aiden and, and, and Cam Johnson and Booker and Bridges and fuck else do you need? <laughs> Apparently nothing. Nothing. Literally nothing. They're... <laughs> If you phrased it like Jack Landale is going to average more points than Chris Paul, I'd be like, <laughs> oh my God, they found another just guy off the heap that's going to be awesome. Hey, Chris Paul is going to average fewer points than Jock Landale. Yeah, phrasing it like that, that makes me worried. It's all about context here. I feel like Dylan watched all of the Jock Landale game first. Versus the Clippers. He really internalized <laughs> this. <laughs> That's what I notice every time I watch, every time like I catch a bit of Phoenix, I'm like, what the fuck is Jock Landale? What? Like, what? <laughs> He's an integral part of their team. I. It's like massive white Australian guy with a mullet. I really quickly, I love Landry Shamit. I, I think he's he's always going to play for a contender every single year he plays. And he's going to be that three-point shooter. He's going to be in every single trade rumor, every trade package with hey, Landry Shamit. Three-point sniper. I think he's going to play for 15 teams in his career. Would Landry Shamit start for the Lakers? Yes. Oh, 100%. 100%. You play 40 minutes a game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's not even close. That That's just an, an absolute yes. How Jack Landell could start for the Lakers, potentially. Mm. Do we think that all 10 players of the Phoenix Suns rotation would start for the Lakers? This is a really sad game. Why are we playing this? <laughs> Can I cry about Davion Mitchell for a second? Just 15 seconds. He looks horrible. He, I thought he was pretty, like, he was, like, a fairly good rookie last year. You're like, hey, this guy's really good on defense, and if he can just be average offensively, like, he'll be in the league for a long time. He's not average offensively. Excuse me. Um, He's not average offensively. I mean, it's a super small sample size, and the bench has been really wonky. We've used a ton of different lineups, but um, he played a little bit of backup point guard yesterday, and he looked horrible. And I was really sad. It was Herder. Kevin Herder would end up, like, handling the ball for us. He has, he has a really tight handle. Herders look nice. Oh, yeah. What's Herder's stats? I mean, definitely improved because that last game has got to be above the mean with just yeah. shooting where you start off five for five. It's just a massive sample size at this point, though. Five whole games. Yeah. <laughs> He's 17, 17, uh, four assists, three boards on 50, 54, 71 splits. Speaking of 71, um, we can't hit our free throws. I think we're the second worst free throw percentage in the league. Lost us a few of those games. Yeah. yeah at least you um can get to the line on like the Clippers, who attempt the fewest, who have the lowest foul rate in the league. Yeah, I saw a thing about how low Golden State's foul rate has been, um, especially in comparison. if They've had like a, a negative 10 free throw deficit to their opponent. And I just... Some of that stylistically, like when you do a bunch of jump shots, you're not getting to the lane. You're not not drawing fouls nearly as much. Um, I've also really enjoyed how the game has been officiated this year. Like the elimination of the take foul has mm. been absolutely fantastic. Um, I mm. do think it is hurting the Lakers because then they get in these running matches and Darvin Ham wants them to be a running team. And 38-year-old LeBron is not a running person. There's There's been a lot more fluidity, a lot more back and forth. I've seen... You know, a three-on-two gets turned into a two-on-three the other way. Or like, you know, it, guys get caught in transition. You have these, like, moments of back-and-forth basketball that's had a lot of really fun dunks and a lot of really exciting possessions. 
it's just a good it's just a smart thing to have done if you had brought someone in who had never watched basketball before and you just be like yeah that's the thing they do and it just stops the entire game they'd probably be like that's stupid <laughs> i don't want to watch this anymore let's watch something else yeah i feel like the best part of the game is transition and there's this thing that teams can easily do to just stop it get rid of yeah. it it makes sense <laughs> can i talk to you guys for a minute about the Cavs and the celtics please i don't like Tatum and Brown. And I can't quite put my finger on it. I, I was watching them and they're both they're both really good. They're both efficient. They both drive well. And like possessions where they would ISO and drive, they'd get to the basket. And possessions where they didn't ISO, they'd move the ball well. But I could just like there's something in their body language where I could like see as soon as they catch the ball if they're gonna pass or if they're gonna drive. And as soon as they drive, I know they're not passing it. Because it's just like you see in their movements, this is what they're going for. And they're selling all out. And I just, I don't know, but I don't like it. It feels off. Have you guys gotten to watch much Celtics? Like, is it just they need Robert Williams back? I watched one Celtics game and I was trying to watch the, like a Kings game or anything in the area. But for some reason, I have the Celtics broadcast. So I watched them play the Magic. Um, I was getting like Patriot ads and shit. I was I was living the Bostonian life. Um, ah, how do those rings feel? <laughs> and I was fantastic. I was a winner, man. Um, and the Celtics are awesome because they were playing. They were playing Orlando, so I really can't. I can't contribute <laughs> to this conversation. I thought they were kicking their ass. I was like, this Celtics seems really good. All right, I'll I'll give I'll give you a number on Tatum and Brown. Maybe not meshing great. Um, lineups when Tatum and Brown are both on the court for the Celtics on the year in total negative five point something negative 5.9 basically negative six that fucking sucks tatum on brown off or brown on tatum off both plus 10 wow so when you've got one of those guys in the game they stomp teams when they're both in the game they are, are getting outscored i'm gonna rev up my trade one of the one of the two videos i was posting around january last year and they made a run to the finals <laughs> hey let's Last year, I tore apart their deadline moves, and it, it completely worked. So what do I know? I just, yeah. it, it, the vibes felt off, and then they were getting just dominated on the boards and had to go to a two-lineup, or a two-big lineup with Noah Vonley. And, like, sure, not everyone's going to have the size of the Cavaliers, but they really need Williams back. Like, replacing Luke Cornett in the lineup with just Robert Williams will be absolutely huge. I'd consider myself someone who pays pretty good attention to basketball but every once in a while when the season starts you're like whoa like Noah Vonley's fucking playing like like who let that happen <laughs> I, I, did, I didn't think he was on a team but he's crucial the Celtics needed Noah Von need Noah Vonley yeah he he um randomly became the Embiid stopper I think that was probably one of the one of the few Celtics games I saw was um, when they played the Sixers and they had Noah Vonley out guarding Embiid and like, I think it's just one of those things where like sometimes it can get in your mind where you're like, oh, this guy, is, I can easily beat this guy. It's like every play you're trying to beat him and then he gets a stop and you're like, wait, what the fuck? And like, you just want to go to, against him every single play, but he was like getting stops and Embiid was like <laughs> confused. <laughs> He's like, how am I not scoring over this guy? What's going on? Random Embiid stop and Noah Vonley. Yeah. Man. Embiid, Embiid stops himself. And we could talk about the Sixers a little bit. Kind of a slow start, hardened basically what he was last year at least to start um Embiid settles it's tough to watch him he really does he likes shooting over people that's kind of what I gathered yeah watching them without Embiid uh I've got a couple of Sixers games this year 
But seeing them without Embiid was a lot more fun than seeing them with Embiid. And like I had moments of watching that where I was like, man, Tobias Harris, not that bad. Also, I took down this as a note, and this is a verbatim note. Jay Crowder wishes he was PJ Tucker. Interesting. You hate Jay Crowder. I brought him up for a top 100 <laughs> in like the 95 spot. You were like, no way. <laughs> what did he do to you? <laughs> he wishes he was PJ Tucker. Really? PJ? Does he? I think he's fine. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Here's the thing. What what do they both do? They play defense and hit three. Yeah. And here's the thing. PJ Tucker actually plays defense. Like he gets up into guys and forces stuff. He, as an off-ball player, will try to get these offensive rebounds. Like, the amount of effort he puts into it, like, there are hustle guys and there are fake hustle guys. And I, I think Jay Crowder's a fake hustle guy, and we saw it, it when he got replaced by P.J. Tucker. Like, teams are better with P.J. Tucker than they are with Jay Crowder. And I'm just, I'm just out. I'm out on Jay Crowder. He, he wishes he was P.J. Tucker. That's, I'm leaving it at that. <laughs> I just, this is, why Jay Crowder? What's uh, Jay Crowder is always on good teams, and I, they would. I don't. I'm not going to waste my my energy debating PJ Tucker and Jay Crowder. These identical people. Jay Crowder is always <laughs> there, but but they never do anything with him. That that's like you have this idealized version of him as a three and D wing, and he gets places, and they're just like, oh yeah, he's, he's not doing anything. But PJ Tucker's winning you championships at least once. On like the two on the two and four Sixers. I, I, I'm Milwaukee. <laughs> Shows up there, makes it happen. I, I honestly do not know if PJ Tucker's any good. I, I've watched a lot of PJ Tucker playoff minutes, and he just he is the opposite of of he it contradicts everything I know about basketball. You, I've watched basketball games before. Like I know how basketball works. And you're like, hey, there's this guy who scores zero points and also just gets cooked by Kevin Durant all game. And here's a <laughs> yeah. here's a three year thirty million dollar contract. And I was like, I don't know if like that guy is really worth that. And I, I liked the move in the offseason, but you, it comes back to it. You're like, he's going to guard the other team's best player because he can do it. I don't know if he's really good at it, and I don't know if he's doing anything offensively, but I think what I liked about him for Philly the most is still like the, he gives his shit. Philly needed like give his shit guys, and that that's that's who he is. There's a PJ Tucker TikTok meme about like he holds the opposing team's best player to an efficient 40 points. He does. And then, you know, and then he's like, I just, I don't understand. Someone explain this to me. This is just hard. It's hard to play defense. Like, that's the answer. And it's just. It is hard to play defense. But it's also like PJ Tucker does the little things. PJ Tucker gets his hand on a lot of loose balls. He's getting in there, getting tips and deflections. And like, there's just a higher hustle level. Tucker and Crowder were both on the Miami Heat. Crowder was there in, in 2020. Tucker was there 2021 playoff runs. Do you want to guess what the on-off differential was? Or sorry, the, the net rating differential for Crowder versus Tucker? I have no idea. Go ahead. With Crowder on, they were one point better. With Tucker on, they were nine points better. Dang. In the playoffs. With Crowder, that, that Crowder year, Crowder averages more points. Sure. He's 12 points, five and a half rebounds with 34% from three. And he's jacking seven threes a night. PJ in the playoffs... Only only eight points, still five and a half rebounds, but actually providing some spacing. Forty five percent from three, much lower volume attempts, but you know it's he's out there. He's making an impact. He's not taking shots when he doesn't need to. 
Jay Crowder wishes he was PJ Tucker. All right, I think we can move on <laughs> from the PJ Tucker Jay Crowder argument. Can I bring up something? Um, and I I won't talk about the Kings game all too much. But how worried are you guys about Miami? Because I I was watching them and I don't think I did, I predicted them just be like be kind of good, and I think that's what they're gonna be. Like they have Butler, they have Bam. Bam is it just an insane athlete. That dude is huge. Um, and that's kind of it. Hero is just a bucket, but. It's hard, you know, he, you can go at him defensively. You really can. And that's kind of it. Kyle Lowry is, is, is getting up there, mm-hmm. and he's had a pretty slow start. His ass is huge, though. I saw it in person. I was four <laughs> rows back. That shit is fucking insane. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was unbelievable. I, I was in the baseline to watch him inbound the ball. It was, I was, it was like watching like a, a meteor strike earth. Uh, <laughs> but he's I love that there's this like specific to NBA fan thing <laughs> where like <laughs> other straight men aren't would like totally not understand, but <laughs> given that we're just in this NBA world, we're like fuck yeah, man! It's preposterous. Oh, it's like it. ridiculous. <laughs> he had a play where Fox grabbed a rebound and he he was swiping like after the rebound was secured all game long, and he finally got it. He like cherry picked a shot. Um, I think he did the same. I think he's still like th- two or three of our inbound plays. Like he's just a little sneaky bastard. It's just tough. Um, but he's not. I guess as your fourth, third guy. I guess as your fourth guy, you're still in pretty good shape. I don't know. I just didn't love there. I didn't love it. I didn't love it. No, no. I, I haven't loved what I've seen from Miami. And, and part of that's Butler. Butler waxes and wanes. Like Butler's. He had a tough game. He did not play well against Sacramento. No, he was almost non-existent in the first half, and he was guard- being guarded a lot by De'Aaron Fox. Like, that's not De'Aaron good. Fox, all t- all first team all defense. <laughs> Bam, Bam also made me nervous because like, when is Bam going to take that leap and actually be good offensively? He said he was going to take eighteen shots a game. I was all in. Lied. Cool. He's he at lied. twelve this year. That's not eighteen. <laughs> that's not close to eighteen. It's not like. And, and and the shots that he's taking, like he, he took Sabonis off the dribble and brought him in. There's a phantom call on Sabonis, but otherwise we'd be talking about how Bam airballed a layup. Same as Ben. Like Bam he has, has a, nice a ton of potential. I I'm totally at fault for overrating Bam the last several times we've done uh, the top 100. Like he ended up at 17th in our rankings. He was ahead of Dame. That was dumb. Yeah. If Dylan if Dylan was here, he would have saved us from that. Would you have? I just, I'm just giving him credit. Just take it. <laughs> I'm taking the credit. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I saw this coming. He would have saved us. <laughs> um, but I do think you're right with Bam. It's, uh, he like is one of those guys like, um, who's another example? I guess like OG and Anobi, where they're, they're like these guys and it's like, this is going to be the year. He's going to take that step offensively. Mm-hmm. But like some of these guys, are there, like they just never take it. And all it's going to be is he's going to be like a really good defender who scores you know, 17 points a game on decent efficiency and, you know, your offense is going to suck if he's your main guy. I'm, I'm giving up on superstar Bam. I mean, like, the defense is still so good that he's, like, uh, factoring in, like, playoff versatility. So, like, you know, demoting Gobert, he's, like, possibly the best defender in the league. And, you know, it's not like 17 points on 50% field goal is bad, but I'm giving up on superstar Bam. I love Bam and everything he can do, but I'm starting to, to kind of have my same like thoughts of, about Hakeem that I have about Bam. And like the Hakeem is usually in reference to Shaq of like Hakeem is more skilled. Hakeem in theory is a better player than Shaq because 
Hakeem, Hakeem can do more things. Hakeem is a better passer. Hakeem is a better defender. Hakeem has a thousand post moves. I'd love it if Bam had a thousand post moves. Bam has like a spin and a missed layup right now, but <laughs> Bam can supposedly pass. Bam can ball handle. Bam, Bam should be able to do a lot. And I watched him go toe to toe with Sabonis, and I left feeling pretty meh. Like, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't feel like there's that that gap that should be there. You know, he, he did a great job limiting Sabonis, but he wasn't able to get his on the other end, and so you kind of just walk away with kind of a did meh. he though? Sabonis was eight of nine from the. He would have had forty if he was yeah. in foul trouble. He got him in foul trouble. That's limiting. God, I'm in foul trouble. That's bullshit. It's <laughs> limiting. <laughs> I don't think his fouls are on uh, Bam necessarily, but Bam, what was happening for a lot of the game is Sabonis would just kind of stand like at the free throw line, and Bam would just basically dribble with the full head of steam. And it looked like, and it felt like, that Bam could just take off from where Sabonis was standing and jump over him and dunk the ball. Like, he just looks like that kind of athlete. And it just, obviously, that's not going to happen. But he didn't, it felt like there should have been a thousand points generated. And, and Bam did score um, quite a bit. But um, it, he should have dominated Sabonis, who's pretty slow-footed. And he, and he really didn't. Speaking of foot speed, to get back to Lowry, you know, Lowry is a wonderful pest. And Lowry, I, I've always been a big fan of him. Um, you know, I got, got the Raptors jersey hanging behind me. But, um, it, it there's so many good young guards, just like what I was talking about with Maxi. Last podcast I was on, I was talking about Bones Highland, and I was like, there are so many good young guards that when you have an aging guard, it, he'll still have his moments, he'll still have that swipe, that pick, but can he night in, night out, consistently guard someone and chase them around? That ass is fat. It's it's slow. It's slow. The Heat's contracts are, are pretty absurd. They have um in the 2023-2024 season, they have Butler making $45 million. That's an $8 million jump. Bam at 32 Lowry at 29 Duncan Robinson, 18 Oladipo has a $9 million player option. I guarantee he picks that up. Tyler, Hero, Tyler Hero's extension kicks in at 27 That's a lot of money. I mean, the cap is going to go up, but the cap can't save... The cap going up can't save you from having Duncan Robinson and Kyle Lowry under contract for that long, unless you're willing to, to essentially say we're not going to be contenders we're going to get worse. Those guys are good players. Um, I don't think they'd be able to flip them for more unless a lot of picks were attached, essentially. Yeah. All right. So it sounds like we are out on Miami being a superstar team. Are we also, I should say, I was listening to the Athletics Saturday Slam Jam, and they were saying through five games, every title contender going back 50-something years has been at least, like, I forget it was three and five, or if it was... I think maybe it was through six games. They're all four and two. Mm. Lies. Lies. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, not all title contenders, but all teams that actually won said title, um, which would eliminate a lot of teams. Teams here. Uh, are, are there any teams that you guys feel like completely giving up on based off of their early season performance or any teams that you want to elevate into the title contention based on early season performance? I thought Philly was going to be the best team in the East. Yeah, Philly would probably be the one. I can't see them winning four straight playoff games. I can see them winning two. They're just way more talented in their first round matchup, and then they maybe they, they you know they they win straight up. But when when the going gets tough, I just I cannot imagine like the elevated Embiid Harden game really clicking. 
against the Celtics or against Milwaukee. Let me look for teams to elevate. Go ahead. Yeah, Embiid looks kind of cooked. Like, he doesn't look good. He's shooting 50% from the field. That's interesting. Like, his number, yeah. look at the numbers. Like, yeah, it's fine. But there's something about it. He had that one really good 40-point outing that probably boosted up a lot of his numbers. Mm, true. By next week, none of this, anything we're saying is going to matter. Because we're looking at six <laughs> games and we're like, whoa, it's happening. How about the Nets? How about the, why not the Nets? Nate tricked me into predicting that they would be good in during <laughs> our predictions. That team has the same issue as they are the Lakers East, where they have the two stars. Durant and Kyrie are playing better than LeBron and AD, at least by an offensive standpoint. And they're still losing. They're getting 80 games, or sorry, 80 points combined from the two, or 75 combined from the two. Um, and it's just, now it seems like good enough. And they're adding players, but like like Curry and who else is coming back? Seth Curry, give me Nets that are returning. Joe Harris just is Joe returning. Harris, I mean, he's yeah. missed a couple of games. Uh, Markeith Morris, this was big and clutch time moments for them in one game, and then out of the rotation the next. Um, they, they also have had a semi-tough start with New Orleans, Toronto, Memphis, Milwaukee, Dallas, and then Indiana. It's like, not the toughest. You should, Yeah, you, you should be Indiana. But if you're hoping for title contention, you really hope you don't go one in five and then your second best player just starts ranting about anti-Semitism just immediately. Oh my gosh. That's just, <laughs> just, just, you're really not looking for that if you're trying to win a championship. Because you're hoping for like a solid Kyrie season. You're like, no, nah, he's insane. Like this is an insane person. It's not affecting oh, his game right now, but eventually it will. Eventually he's going to take off like two weeks to go like protest against Jews or something. Oh my God. He'll, I guarantee it. I'll put money at where's the what's the money line on Kyrie going to protest Jewish people? <laughs> or at least attend like an anti-Semitic film festival. Yeah, he's he's gonna miss games to do that. <laughs> this is the point of the I podcast. Mean, he just proves more and more that he's the, he's the Kanye of the NBA. Yeah, this is this is the point of the podcast where I'd like to remind listeners that uh, Aaron is Aaron Levi Schroeder, and I am. Nathan Isaac Schwartz and <laughs> Dylan is Dylan Abraham Josiah Williamson. I actually don't know what either of you guys' middle names are. You were kind of close, though. You kind of messed with me there. My middle name is a. Uh, oh not, my god! Middle, the middle name is not is not Jewish, but I am a Jewish person, as is Nate. Um, and Dylan is an honorary Jew, given his uh, his placement in between us on the Zoom call. I, th- I thought you were going to say I was Jewish passing because I've got the nose. <laughs> the, the curly hair. You're basically a Jew. Welcome to the club. <laughs> Mazatov. That's, that's the second pot in a row me and Nate have, or I guess I've made <laughs> just some, some Jewish joke. I mean, it's it's not our fault that this is the world that we live in right now. That's not crazy. He would totally do that. <laughs> He would absolutely yeah. do that. That's not me just like riffing. I'm like, Kyrie would do that. And he would miss games if it, the schedules didn't line up. <laughs> They'd call him like, hey, Kyrie, like we're going to be like down this street protesting. Like, do you want to come? And he's like, eh, I could make it work. I'll make some phone calls. <laughs> like, I can I'll move some stuff around. around. <laughs> I'll call Adam, see if I can get him to reschedule. <laughs> can, I, can I say something that's absolutely terrible after we've just had this conversation? Sure. We can tell you if you have to edit it out after. I've actually really liked the way Kyrie's looked out there. Oh, yeah. He's been good. <laughs> Offensively, he's 
he is impossible to guard. Um, I don't know where they're going. That's always been the thing with Kyrie, though, is like when he's on the court and just playing basketball, you're like, this guy's so good. And then like he steps off the court and then you're like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. they should just keep and also he's played court. all the games, too, which is a big thing. Yeah, they should keep him on the court. Just ne- he's never allowed to leave. Yeah, I wish cancel culture was like as um powerful as like conservatives think it is. Like, I wish we could just like cancel Kyrie and we just like don't give him any coverage at all. Like, we don't talk about him when he's um not playing basketball. And so, like, all he is is just like this guy that's really good at basketball. And then when he's off the court, we just don't pay him any attention at all. I wish, man. I wish. <laughs> so that's my that's my team. That's not gonna. So what I'm saying is, shut up and dribble. Jesus Christ, got off the rails. Um, I think that's uh, that's my case or our case for why the Nets are probably not going to win the title. Then Kevin Durant's a moron too because he sits there and he's like, doesn't bother me. And you're like, this is the strangest like ship to attach yourself to. Or I, I don't know what the, like I don't have a better analogy, but I just don't get it. I, I think I figured it out. Please. So Durant joined the Warriors, and everyone gave him crap for joining the most harmonious perfect basketball situation and so he's like well fuck it now i have to win with like the worst chaos possible but i I still need talent so like i can't can't just pick a garbage franchise and go there i have to actually go somewhere good but i need i need there to be chaos that way people give me credit for this time this one he's created the inverse warriors where like he warriors he joins a team and they have like really good chemistry and so he says, okay, what if I create a team and it has terrible chemistry? Then I'll get the credit. But I'm just going to say this here. If the Nets blow it up and Utah comes knocking with all of their picks and says, hey, we're not giving you players. Well, we'll give you a Baji, but we, we want Durant. I suppose you probably have to toss in Conley to get contracts to work. But a Baji, a crap ton of picks uh, and Conley for Durant. Dude, I'm taking Utah. Utah's... Utah's going to be a, a, in the title conversation at that point, almost instantly. And that's not even that wild to say. Two things for you. I'd, I'd rather have Wemby than Durant at this point, especially if I'm not a team that's ready to make the, the immediate title jump. And secondly, Durant to Memphis is so perfect. I just want that to happen. Can you please stay in the East? <laughs> <laughs> would, would you rather have a 14% chance at Wemby? Or an agreed upon Durant. I feel like Durant is just—he's I, I, so good. But as a fan, I kind of feel like like and that he's like blacklisted. But I just don't—I'm not like thrilled about that. I'm not like fuck yeah, Kevin Durant, the most unlikable, like socially awkward, I guess socially unaware is what I meant, um, player ever. Like, no, you're not super thrilled about. Like, you're gonna be good. You're gonna be better than you were. But like, at what cost? You have to root for Kevin Durant. Yeah, but it's Utah. Yeah. Before we get too far away from it, I have the odds for the first NBA head coach fired. You guys want to hear it? Is Nash just running away with it? It's actually Doc Rivers as of two days ago. Okay. Plus 150 for Rivers, plus 300 for Nash. Darvin Ham plus 600. I don't see that happening. I don't think there's no way they scapegoat Ham so quickly. Um, Steven Silas for the Rockets. I don't know what they. I don't know where their expectations are. Uh, plus a thousand. Dwayne Casey for the Pistons plus 1200. Tom Thibodeau plus 1800 or 800. 1800. I mean. Um, Nick McMillan plus 2000. Billy Donovan of the Bulls plus 2800. 
Wes Unso Jr. of the Wizards, plus 2,800, and Chauncey Billups, plus 4,000. I kind of like the Pistons one. Like, the Pistons are really bad. Like, really bad? Because it feels like they shouldn't be really bad, right? Uh, maybe that's their plan, but I don't know. I think, I mean, I mean Doc and, and Nash, look, they're in the most volatile situations, but if I was going for the big bucks. Yeah, and one to that point one of the ways that you can like reflect good coaching like sometimes teams are going to have bad rosters and like you're just going to lose games um but the way that you can like always kind of see if a if a team's coach is good or not is whether they like their defense outperforms their talent level and so like mark dagnall and okc the thunder when they are trying to be have always been like had a defense that's a lot better than the talent level um and detroit's defense is like the worst in the league in every miserable way yeah like they just do everything bad they they don't get steals but they foul a lot they don't you know they give up a massive field goal percentage and yeah they're just bad you know who does look good though at least not horrible is uh jade ivy mm. he seems fine like yeah. uh, it, it's not just it's not a disaster which is good which is good, at least for a rookie point guard is good and jalen duran is he's like 18 and he looks good he's playing i did not think he was going to play at all He's playing. You want to talk about some rookies? Bancaro's look good. Nate's guy. Follow Bancaro. I like Bancaro. I, I mean, I've seen the Bancaro versus Celtics and the Pistons game. We talked about that a little bit on the last pod. But, I mean, I, I like the fact that they're giving reps defending the other team's good players. Um, I, from what I've seen, have been pretty anti-Franz this season. Like, I remember Orlando fans they really thinking they had a great shot at uh, at being good this year. And I was like, yeah, we already have Franz, and now we're adding Paolo. And I was just kind of like, cool, you guys are are adding Paolo. Like, that was my, my whole argument of, I think, Cade is But you be... don't like Franz? I don't like Franz. It's a random take. But what has he done? He's like kind of an average, okay guy. He like puts up good points and plays defen- decent defense. Yeah. Is it his second year? He's averaging like 16, 5, and 4 on yeah, but... okay defense. and On the worst team in the league. The worst yeah. team in the league. Like... What does he do that's that different than Kyle Kuzma? Um, he's um, he's a poor man's Kyle Kuzma. I guess Kuzma. he is old. He's he's twenty one years old. Yeah, and you know Kuzma's. We're seeing a team with Kuzma as their third best player, and they're going to be about five hundred. And you know, it's it's like Orlando fans tried saying that they were going to be so much better than the Pistons, and I, I have very little loyalty to the Pistons. But I'm like, no, we've seen what Cade is, and we're hoping. We're hoping Paolo is as good as Cade. And we're hoping that Ivy is as good as Franz. And I'd, I'd much rather be in the Pistons where I know I've got the best guy as opposed to hoping that the other guy's going to be good. So, Are you guys off the Mo Bamba train yet? How's that train doing? How much coal is left in the engine right now? He's not playing. They luck. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's kind of getting replaced by Bol Bol. I know. They locked him down on a contract. And I was like, this is it. Mo Bamba, eight-foot wingspan, shooting threes. And it's like, no, it's actually Bull Bull, who's looked fine. Like, Bull Bulls look pretty good for, for Bull Bull expectations on the Magic. But I think for Bancaro, when you watch young guys, and the team he's on isn't very good, you can just you can tell he's going to be really good. He just has those movements to him, the, the ability to score. He's going to get buckets at a high level. I wish someone loved me like Terrence Ross loves the Magic. That dude has been playing for the Magic for so fucking long. I don't know what he sees in them. He is so loyal. He's only played for two teams in his life, the Raptors and the Magic. He is both a journeyman and a loyal player, somehow. Well, yeah. He's been on the the Magic for seven years. The problem is that he's, like, borderline good. 
like no one actually wants to commit and go out and get him but like he's too bad to just like get oh too good to just get rid of he'd be the lakers third best player yeah <laughs> maybe they should get him they should go get i hear i guarantee i could find an article in the next month it's like terrence ross trade package oh i mean they, the already, they have gary harris i think he's expiring though like you can get him in a buyout gary harris no he's I gar- he's gonna resign there's no way he doesn't go back he's seen too much to not win a title with his favorite team ever. Uh, yeah. All right. So we, we, we can successfully eliminate Orlando from contention then. All right. I was, I was uh, on the fence about it, but, but, but Bull Bull's not, uh, not turning you around. No, no, it's too bad. All right. I think, I think we can um, close out, but I want to start a running telly. Okay. Every week I want us to say, and I'm just going to run this and see um, how, how far off we are championship favorites every single week we're gonna we're gonna state our championship favorite and see how dumb it looks at the end of the year perfect i love and hate this segment <laughs> milwaukee bucks bucks for nate let me think the bucks seem like the obvious answer bucks for aaron yeah it's the bucks it's the bucks they don't even have chris middleton and they're still good yeah like i want it to be someone else because like yeah they've been good but their offense has kind of sucked but i still don't know who else it would be so I'll I'll join you and we'll three Pete as the Bucks, and then when they get losing the second round this year, it'll look really dumb. All right. Well, we've all selected the Bucks. Aaron, where can people find you? Hospital chairs on TikTok. Dylan, where can people find you? Not making any anti-Semitic comments. Much appreciated. And you can find all of us here at the Hoops Temple Podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs>